Welcome to The Third Rail Entrepreneur, a podcast about enrichment. Enrichment of your mind, your relationships, your body, and ultimately your business via the entrepreneurial path. My name is Alistair MacDonald. Let's get started. going to lead with a little concept, with a, a, a principle, something that has made a profound difference for me in avoiding brain damage, which is always what arises between expectation and reality. And where the two don't meet, that is the canyon of brain damage. That is where we have expectations of employees doing something and they don't. It's where we have expectations of ourselves doing something and it doesn't, doesn't happen or it doesn't happen the way that we wanted it to. So I want to share something that uh, I call the harness, the time harness. And this is a simple point that certainly everyone in this group will get very quickly. But I'm going to invite you as we move into our Q&A and so forth to think about an application for you. And I would love to know, having just heard this, where you might imagine yourself struggling with its application, uh, where you might come up short or not quite understand it. If frustration is something that arrives between expectation and outcome, we would do ourselves a real service and those that we are fortunate enough to lead, to serve, to help, to avoid similar frustrations created in, let's call them alternative outcomes that they are experiencing. Leadership is not taking somebody across a busy highway, halfway across a busy highway, and thinking that you've helped them. You really haven't. It is about showing people how to make the crossing themselves. And to do that, we need, as we've discussed in, in previous conversations, we need to bring to bear uh, clarity of results, clarity of inputs, and clarity of expectations. So to share this simple point, I'm going to use a metaphor. When I have, by good or ill fortune, had a lot of experience around horses in my, largely my adult life. And this is a result of, or the blame of, my bride of about four and a half thousand years. As a veterinarian herself and as somebody who grew up with horses, she's an extremely high level equestrian and specifically a high level trainer. If you haven't, I highly, highly recommend. You watch the documentary called Buck. This movie is about Buck Brannaman. It's a documentary. And if you ever want to see a physical representation of what we discuss here as matador leadership, I don't think there's a more visual and striking example of it than Buck Brannaman. Buck Brannaman was really the neo version, the new version of what's now called natural horsemanship. Now, what does this have to do with running a business? A lot. Horses, like people, are prey animals, <laughs> especially feeling like prey animals when they're in a pack. When fear steps in or when ignorance arrives, fear follows, and with fear comes a desire for leadership. Historically, people have controlled horses with really punitive tie-downs, things like nightingales, spurs, whips, chains, etc., heavy saddles. It is entirely about management, control, and restriction of these beautiful beasts. This, to me, is what most management philosophies look like. They look like 
protocols, processes, the, su- the superimposition of your intentions on this beast of your business, your employees, your patients, your customers, what have you. And I want to just use this, I want to play this metaphor out because what happens is there's a paradox here. We are asking a creative individual to completely leave their creativity and their imagination and their contribution behind because fundamentally, we just don't trust you. We think you're nice, but we're going to treat you like an idiot and pretend that you will eventually one day ascend by magic to uh, self-authorship, self-leadership. This is a very long and rocky road, and it's one that's fraught with disappointment. So this level of control is what is always used. What Buck Brenneman did is completely change the game. And he teaches now and shows you in that remarkable documentary, Buck, which has some pretty heavy stuff in it as well about his own history as a kid and so forth. What he does is he harnesses a horse's individual instinct to move toward leadership, toward leadership. And I just love this. I love this movie and I love, I've had the chance of meeting Buck. I've attended some of his events. And of course, my bride is one of his kind of protégés. So I've got to own horses and watch her do this. And it's always a, a phenomenal thing to watch because what it is, is energy transference, energy of control, energy of fear, energy of trying to get this giant 1500 pound beast to do what it is that you want. So metaphorically, it's just a too low hanging fruit for me to avoid. So we think about this as the new way and the old way, the way that is congruent and incongruent with the individual animal practice, employee, patient, consumer's experience. We are trying to align ourselves and them toward the same goal, toward the same outcome. Now, as with anything, it's not a binary option. And if you come across binary options, just a reminder that you are probably falling into the trap of lazy thinking. If your only options are binary, you're too far downstream. If your only options are binary, you're not being creative enough and you're too far downstream. Go back upstream and you'll see a lot more options. In the same way that a spring turns into you know, multiple into a delta you want to go back up to the spring to see the delta of opportunities that a, that a river delta might produce. But following this point of old and new horsemanship, there are, of course, attributes of the old way that are still useful. But do we really need spurs to actually get a horse to move? Well, if you've ever watched one at play, you'll know that you don't. We've talked previously in this group about how your team members have creativity in them. They go home and they refurbish furniture. They have eBay stores. They grow a garden. They sing in a choir. They paint. They have an innate desire to create. At least the most valuable contributors on your team do. So it seems to me that this is something we would want to harness. But because we're so afraid of giving them the reins, we end up truncating the possibility of creativity inside our business, because all that is represented in there is our creativity. As if we are the all-seeing, all-knowing gods of creativity, there are ideas that have emerged from my team that have blown me away. Some of them blown me away because it's almost like we're having a stupid competition, and uh, this is ridiculously bad ideas, but those are all available to us at all times, and I'm not above making some of my own. So what we're trying to do is harness this innate instinct for this beautiful horse to run. What is it that is valuable from the old way? A bridle or a harness? A harness, of course, and a bridle are quite different. 
what we want to do is to shepherd this animal, this beast, this energy, not to get too metaphysical about it, but to, we want to harness this in the direction of our collective goals and aspirations. But the risk is that this 1,500-pound animal will run right over the top of us and will just completely steamroll us. If you've ever been on the front end of a horse, uh, that tends to be one of the more dangerous ends. Though, as somebody recently said to me, they're dangerous at both ends and uh, sketchy in the middle or something. That's, that's what horses are. But what we want to do is to align ourselves and, and to channel that energy. The harness is what we need. We need that halter, something that we can lead it so that it is still using its energy. I'm not needing a stick. I'm not needing spurs, but it is still moving. How can we do this with our team and projects and change? The harness that we use is time. Time. What this looks like. We have a new idea. Now, this harness is one you should put on yourself too. You should put on yourself too. But let's, let's make up an example. There is some aspect of your business internally. Perhaps there's a new marketing campaign, though that's too obvious and easy and Let's imagine that it is a particular protocol that your certain subset of your team is going to deploy to try to create, ostensibly create better results faster or the same results more efficiently. Now, you show up as the leader. You throw out a couple of outlines of what you're thinking. We cannot go to unqualified people and ask them what they think any more than you could ask a medical patient what treatment they would give themselves. Do not ask unqualified people to diagnose or prescribe their own problem. It's no different than a patient who comes to you and says, it's this tooth and I need it removed. And you say to yourself, well, actually, it's this tooth and I can save it. Misdiagnosis, misprescription. We've talked about this a lot during our trainings. So we don't go to our team and say, hey, this is the problem. How should we fix it? We go to it with a scaffolding. We go to it and say, Here's an outline of what I'm thinking. And again, the question is, how can this, where would this stumble? or What could go wrong with this? Or how could it be improved? That's the first thing we've touched on that previously. The difference between a ladder and a scaffold, we're giving our team scaffolding. But beyond that, we need some measurable finite range to this experiment. And we must discuss it as an experiment. You can always tell the weakest leaders because they kick in the door on a random Wednesday morning and say, from now on, we're doing this. And the team all rolls their eyes and thinks, oh, here we go. He went to another seminar over the week. Or unfortunately, he heard another podcast or something. And now we've got a new religion. Instead, this is the language of experimentation. We're going to run an experiment. What sort of organization runs experiments? A dynamic one a one that is always on its own leading edge, one that is always expanding. What does this suggest to our team? That if you're expecting everything to look the same as it did a year ago, you should be at the DMV. This is a dynamic business, and we are constantly on our own leading edge around. This is the type of business that runs experiments. It's also, pro tip, the kind of business that you will never get bored of. The kind of business that your creativity will say, why would I ever sell this? Now you can. Sale is, of course, available to you. But you get good at running experiments and train a team to do the same. And they will come up with some remarkably great ideas. But back to the limitations of this. 
The harness that we place on this is time. Time. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's the problem, or here's the opportunity, and here's the result we'd like to create. These are the various issues, the, uh, the, the individual inputs that are going to be required. Here's the outline of the process that I'm thinking, where might this go wrong? How could it be improved, accelerated, or what have you? We come up with it. Given that they've got a scaffolding, we thrash out a plan and we say, we're going to run this experiment for 90 days. 90 days is just my personal favorite. In my professional and personal experience, there is nothing that you can't do for 90 days that you will know within those 90 days whether or not you're making progress. Anything beyond that gets lazy. Anything within that time is unreasonable. We can't create an impression that, hey, we're going to lose 20 pounds in 20 days. You can, but you're probably going to have to, you're probably going to go into some sort of organ failure. It's not going to be sustainable. So we don't bring that same ethos to our business. We say this is a 90 day. That's, as I say, that's my personal preference. You might have your own. 90 days is a really great time to get a sense of whether or not this process is, is achieving its outcomes. That doesn't mean that day 91, a trapdoor opens up and this idea is executed. It's over, euthanized. Any more than it means great, it's, it's done. It is simply the point at which we will decide whether to abandon this iteration or a project or opportunity or what have you. This harnessing of time, and of course, there's iterations between day zero and day 90. So we're going to check in deliberately on day 30 and day 60 and see what we can tweak. And then other opportunities to iterate will present themselves as we go along. This time harness is particularly valuable when an employee comes to you and asks for something new that you're not comfortable giving, a raise, more time off, different equipment, new process or system, something of their creation or request that you are not fully sold on. You need a time harness. Without it, the employee gets the impression that it's just free reign and they're going to get whatever they want. They also, or as likely, run the risk of getting the impression that not just whatever they ask for, they get, but that a request is enough. No, a request is enough simply because it points to what is enough, which is results. Results are all we care about. When we fail to close the door of time, we lower the standards on the results we're willing to tolerate immediately. Immediately. Time-bound commitments insist on results. I want to lose 20 pounds. Great, 90 days. At day 90, you will know whether or not your current trajectory is on track or not. Even if your goal is to get it done in a year, you will know within 90 days whether or not it's going to happen. So let's use a more granular example. You have an employee who is asking for a raise, but you know that their current income is on the upper bandwidth of the market price, the feedback mechanism that is the labor market, which, by the way, is facing a potential fiscal and social cliff in just two weeks' time, and that's something I want us to talk about later today with the ending of these unemployment benefits coming up July 31st. So you know in this made-up scenario that this employee is already straining credulity with the salary that they're asking for. Two things. The first, they get to ask for whatever they want just as you get to say no. You get to ask for whatever you want just as they get to say no. Employee wants a higher salary. What he wants in exchange is a heightened degree of attention toward 
some other revenue stream. Fluoride is, of course, would be the low-hanging fruit in the case in this case. I will forego this. I could find the money. I can go into the practice. It's important that employees know that every increase that they ask for is not just, oh, well, I'll reach into this giant bag of cash that I keep behind the desk. Every dollar in this practice is accounted for. So what I'm going to give you, what you're asking for, has to come from somewhere else. This is going to take some work from me. I'm going to have to figure out where to get this. This is a big difference. As if I'm sitting here thinking, adjudicating your worth. This is the, one of the fundamental premises of what we've referred to here as matador leadership. Your requests and your contributions have consequences. My job is to get out of the way between those consequences and your behavior so that we are more directly connected to it, so that I don't just shoulder the burden of consequence of your errant, intermittently errant behavior. You make a request, I've got to go back and see where I can get that. Wow. Could it mean that someone else on the team is going to get a pay cut? Could it mean that we won't have as much, you know, as many uh, lunches brought in every month or what have you? It's going to come from somewhere. You don't need to get into the weeds, but it is valuable that we remind people that this money is a function of value creation and problem solving. And you're going to have to go and solve other problems, solve their problem to find that capital. In exchange, you get to ask for something in return. Great. Here's what I'm struggling with. Blah, blah, blah. Here's what I need. Consequently, do you think we can hit those targets? Do you think we can achieve this measurable outcome? Again, numbers and events. Numbers and events. Not just does it feel okay. Of course, feeling is all we really care about. But for internal metrics in our business, we need to have measurable. So this is what we're going to do. I've gone back. I've done the math. I've found out how we can do it. Here's what would need to happen. Not what I need. What would need to happen for us to be able to uh, give you that, that increase in this minor example. Let's give this a try for 90 days. We'll run this experiment for 90 days. Immediately, the power of a time harness is taken off of your shoulders and onto theirs, where they deserve it. It's respectful to give people connection to their, their results and their consequences. In the Western world, in the United States, we tend to think of consequences as being a punishment, because that's what everyone says to their kid. Oh, little Timmy, you're going to get a consequence. Well, there's great consequences too. Consequences misappropriated by bad parents. <laughs> and what's what it really is about is connecting them to the results. There's good results and bad results. So we're going to run in this scenario, this example, we're going to run this for the next 90 days. We'll check in and see how it's going for both of us. That's one example. You have to do the same with yourself. You have to ask yourself in the case of an, a bad behavior from an employee or a reprimand, it must be time-bound. It's not enough just to show up in the monthly or quarterly review, somebody gets a spanking, and then we all go our separate ways. No. Change requires time. And without it, it won't change. Without a time-bound limit, it won't change. You will continue to get the results that you're getting. Haven't we noticed? If we haven't made certain commitments for exercise, meditation, uh, connecting to others, whatever it is that we are trying to improve, we have to bind it to time to know whether or not we're full of it or we really are moving forward. 
that's it for this episode. Thanks for being here. Hey, there's only two things that you have in your life, your time and your attention, that you've given both to me for these few minutes of today means everything. Cheers. Cheers.